Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravella, co-host of the show. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. You know, this is coming out the Monday after Election Day, Tyler, which, you know, is a big deal and has dominated everybody's thinking, I believe, the election, uh, you know, for the last some months. And so we're going to have just kind of kickback show today and talk about the world. Yeah, Uh Definitely, the world kind of went on pause here this past week uh, and beyond. But certainly, certainly, when those votes were being counted, we were all just kind of waiting. Um, and it's an appropriate time to take stock of what's going on around us and do a coast-to-coast vibe check. <laughs> what's the vibe out there in America? Yeah, uh, and yeah. yeah. Talk about what else, uh, whatever else is on our minds uh, during this time, and we'll talk a little bit about this trip I took uh, on the Rio Grande. I hope so. Yeah, looking forward to hearing about that. Actually, yeah, it'll be a this will be a fun one, guys. This is gonna yeah. be a great show. So, uh, looking forward to it. Let's have a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering, with 28 offices along the Gulf Coast. The folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at LJA.com. Coastal Transplants. Coastal Transplants offers high-quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, and the skilled and respectful crews to get your project built. Make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring the dune and wetland ecology of your home or barrier island. Learn more at CoastalTransplants.com. Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They handle your dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable dune walkover on the market. Learn more at dunesciencegroup.com. And be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Well, uh, Tyler, uh, we're just now... I think everybody in America and wads of people around the globe are waking up to the notion that uh, Joe Biden may well be uh, the next president of the United States after a pretty hard fought election. And uh, I think everybody maybe I don't know, I'll say for me, a little bit exhausted by the whole ex- last week. It's been a hell of a ride to see this thing come together. Yeah, you know, it was took a very long time to get all the votes counted, and um, but and it was it was emotionally exhausting, I think, for everyone uh, from all uh, political spaces. It was just was a really dramatic, close election across the board. It was a very interesting election, um, and we had a lot of time to think about it because it lasted all week, right? And so uh, I'm looking forward to kind of breaking it down, and I. I I have a few like categories of 
clusters of thoughts. But uh, my first cluster, and I'll just lead off. Yeah, has no, to do go with, ahead. Has to do with the media. You know, we're in the media. Mm. Yeah. And I was actually really concerned that there would be like a 2000 rush to call um, that, you know, maybe one or two kind of rogue right. uh, media outlets would just do that break the news everybody right. wants to be the breaker of the but news but instead what they yeah. did is they just focused on counting votes mm-hmm. which is incredibly boring television uh <laughs> except for the fact that we all really want to know the answer right and um that really showed me some strength in the american democracy like ultimately you count it up yeah it's like a pretty good system i think that's what you want to see you know we you don't really know and uh we we do rush to the declaration of the winner in American politics, you know, it's it's been common that it would be the night of. And uh, if it wasn't the night of, people got a little antsy. So um, this time, though, uh, the extra time to consider all of the ballots coming in, uh, it was different this time. So many mail ballots because of COVID and how the states had adjusted their uh, counting practices. I mean, there just wasn't a way to know. And there are a whole bunch of people who are uh, believe that we still don't know as of uh, this Monday. And, and uh, you know, the final votes won't be certified for a while. So, hell, I'm for counting them all. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I'm... Uh, I, Joe Biden's the next president, right? so I think that, you know, <laughs> that we're going to do some recounting, but I feel right. quite confident that that is... Uh, you know, the way it's going to be, not that I'm an expert on it, but because right. I, I've seen the transparency of the system, it was put through the ultimate test. Yeah. And um, this was not a normal election. This was like a fascistic quasi takeover on behalf of uh, one of the candidates that Depending was on undermining. Yeah. I'm, I, mean, I mean, undermining, undermining the validity of the election quite deliberately right. from the onset in the midst of a pandemic is like extremely poor sportsmanship. Yeah, I I got to tell you, on I, you know, look, here's the thing. People around the world uh, watch what we do. And uh, when the president of the United States declares that the American system of electing our government is fraudulent or invalid, uh, that is a really important uh, thing to communicate around the world. And you think it would, uh, you know, we've been running elections in this country for 240 years. And um, we we have it down a little bit. I'm not saying it's perfectly smooth, but uh, the basic uh, validity of our electoral system has never been attacked this viciously. Uh, and I'm just... You know, I'm, I was, I'll tell you what, it was great to watch bureaucrats. I'll just put, and I'm going to use that word exactly the way I mean it. There are people in county governments all over the United States in rooms open to, to the community uh, that are sitting there counting meticulously and doing a functionary job. They're not political ideologues. They're fair referees of counting this up. They take it seriously and... The indictment of those people is what I'm not comfortable with. With what quite, well, that's here. stupid, and our audience knows that because we know that those people are under scrutiny all the time. Right. Like if you're an election official in a county, it's not that dissimilar from being a beach official, 
where the pressure's always on. You're mm-hmm. always on the line. There's always another council meeting where somebody's going to potentially right. grill you on a landmine you accidentally stepped on. Right. If you're running elections, you're running three, four, five a year yeah. in some counties. You right. know, yeah. These people are, and they're under the scrutiny of, of, of legal action all the time. All the time. So it really showed the strength of that level of government. I agree. Yeah. That was yeah. one of the things that really yeah. stood out in my mind was just how competent the county... Yeah. Uh, and state election people were. Yeah. They were technical. It was they have systems. The systems management of the process of getting things counted and putting things is extremely sensible. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, fraud proof, it seems. I mean, I don't want to like, I, yeah. obviously, there's always a way, but there's like, always monkey business, but or some level. But the idea that you could systemically sort of change those individual rooms right. in state after state you know here's and i look i'll just give you my two cents and and tyler and i understand that our audience uh our, everyone has some level of political identity and affiliation we know that uh i i am a i am a biden supporter so i'll be very if it's if it's not obvious um but I recognize the validity of the spectrum of political views. I think it I feel comfortable talking to our audience about this because I don't think they're shocked that any of us have a political understanding in America today. So, well, and actually, we got to talk about it. Yeah, it's just in the same way that we need to have uh, cross sectoral conversations on the coast. Right. um, I think that having an honest conversation about this election, what it means is particularly appropriate in America right now, which is another thing that I've noticed, which is that it seems like uh, we are moving toward a more uh, cooperative era. I I hope. I I do not. I hope. I do not, of course, know this to be true, but that's the way it feels. Yeah. You know, I always feel like the in politics, the pendulum kind of swings and um, society and culture evolve. And. Uh, I I really do feel like for the past, you know, I, I was thinking back to Obama, which was 08. And then like right then you see social media start and politics just immediately re- just veers off into radical yeah, directions. We're, we're a new And that was like, territory. that was the teens. That yeah. was that decade. I mean, yeah. I could characterize that decade as the social media decade. And mm. I just feel like we are in the 20s now. And it's been an interesting start, obviously, COVID. Uh but this election seems to me it feels like change it feels like change ladies and gentlemen that's what i'm calling well, yeah well it, it certainly in terms of the of the administration it sure feels like change it's true but the thing i it is amazing about this election something around 75 million americans voted for joe biden and kamal harris and somewhere close to 71 million uh voted for uh, President Trump and and Mike Pence and man that's that's sizable a I'll say great turnout and great job American voters uh, yeah to be engaged to go through the process to stand in line all of that that's we all get to take pride in the participation of the American public in this election this year I think that was astonishing levels uh, record-breaking turnout in Texas we broke the record you know, in the middle of pandemic. And so we get to, we get that. Um, can we cooperate 
we we have to. How about that? We have got to figure out how to work together across the aisle. And there are members of the United States Senate who take great pride in that. Joe Biden being one of those when he was a senator. Uh, Ron Wyden uh, from Oregon, other in the conservative side. Uh, we have to do that. The problems are real and uh, the solutions take everybody's point of view. And I'm just hoping that's what I hope you're right about the cooperation thing. That's what needs to happen, given the seriousness of the stuff that we got to deal with. Yeah, well, and I, I actually think that that's precisely why it would. I mean, uh, it seems like uh, there is a general, I mean, again, I'm vibe checking here. It seems like I don't care what side of the, of the uh, aisle you were on, you're pretty exhausted right yeah. now. Yeah, I think and so. And everyone's recognizing the facts that you just stated, that it's like, yeah, it's a really divided country. Um, but we have a lot to, there's a lot to lose and there's a lot to gain. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to lose if you don't cooperate and there's right. a lot to gain if we do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have, I just believe that that will prevail. I hope it should. That's the winner. Right That's, there. you know, occasionally this is the kind of thing about politics. It can bubble along in the background and. You know, lots of people basically ignore it because it doesn't affect their life too much. And they've got other things to do with their real lives, their family, their children, their jobs, all of that. Uh, but every once in a while, uh, who's running the show has particular significance because of the challenges that the country faces. And I, I'm just feeling like we're in one of those challenging moments. And... Uh, so I want cooperation. I want I want the views of the whole political spectrum engaged constructively. We know they're not going to agree. Cut the deals. Let's get let's move ahead. We got to make some better choices. So I'm that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and vision. You know, I I uh, I like listening to uh, Joe Biden's speech. Uh, I liked the way he talked about uh, the future. Uh, and by the way, yeah. coastal coastal people of America and the world, <laughs> I like the way that he's talking about the environment. A yeah, part of his it. package, it's always in that three thing, you know, right. that paragraph, the, I'm going to do, dun, dun, dun. It's address he's, COVID, he, address the economy, racial equity, and climate change are the four yeah. things he lists out and, as his uh, top priorities. And I think that this is a huge opportunity frankly for the coastal space um we yeah. there's been a lot of work going on in the shadows here and perhaps with a little luck now could be an opportunity to step out it would into be the great. sunshine and uh and expand some of the programs that have been developed yeah uh and make some strides we're ready yeah, and I think for, for you know we don't know who who knows what the new administration, uh, if indeed uh, Biden and Harris are are certified as the winners, uh, we don't know who the Secretary of Commerce is going to be or how coastal policy and spending may, might change under a new administration. Uh, that really that level of detail is would be completely speculative to talk about, but. Um, this is about vibe checking. And, uh, we're and we're like, vibe checking. And here's what I would hope. You know, you, he, he did bring up the issue of climate change, which is a serious matter for the human community. And um, I'm hoping 
that kind of open-minded thinking to consider what we should deal with might lead to what Joan Pope was talking about when we talked to her and a couple of other people we've interviewed who say, you know what, we just don't have a national coastal policy. And, yep. you know, we start thinking about climate change along the coast, the impacts may, is it time to have a coherent national coastal policy in America? It would be great because it's needed. I mean, it should at least be a goal. <laughs> right. <laughs> we should be working on it. Right. Um, yeah, no, I think that... Uh, I feel like people are ready to get to work in this country in a way. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it's been a long yeah. COVID year. Yeah. Um, it's Everything's been dimmed, you know, uh, whether you're part of the tourism economy, whether you're a part of yeah. academic research. I mean, everything has just kind of shifted. Yeah. And on, on the one hand, I think this was a uh, obviously tremendous, traumatic experience and... Um, but it yeah. also opened the door. It created time and space to look at things in different ways. And, uh, and I also think it created kind of a res reservoir of energy. People are, I think a little excited here. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's true. Activated. I think the electorate is activated. Americans are focused. Um, you know, I think it, I'm hoping Tyler, this is the, here's the other extraordinary thing this year. Not only have we been, of course, focused on the national elections here in the last 60, 90 days. But we're coming through a year, of course, you mentioned the pandemic. That's historic uh, event in the world, but certainly in our country and in all of our lifetimes. And then we had one of the most amazing hurricane seasons we've ever had this year. And there's another hurricane in November headed for Florida this week. Probably the most interesting I hurricane mean, of the season. Yeah. Yes, the, the track, path. the pathway has been absolutely yeah, incredible. Yeah, this is Etta, right? Etta, we believe. Etta. And I, that's the way I believe you pronounce it. Lands in Nicaragua centrally uh, as a category four or five. They said they weren't. They're not sure they can actually estimate the, the the full strength of that storm. The photographs were incredible. I mean, it looked like a beast yeah comes inland hits the mountains of central america crosses the yucatan peninsula emerges back in the caribbean sea crosses cuba heads to the florida keys and then takes a left turn into the gulf of mexico that's the track they think at this point when we're recording this that's what they're saying is going to happen i mean and it's been it's been a category four down to a tropical storm and it's supposed to be a hurricane again i mean talk about ending the season with a bang damn that's a hell of a storm. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, uh, the Florida Keys down there, y'all are in it right now. Uh, yeah. That's, I, I, I don't believe it's forecast to be um, too terrible, but, you know. No. I, it's it, just an insane. Right. It's, uh, it's going to hit as a tropical storm. I think, you know, four or five inches of rain, they say, maybe six inches some places. Then it's going to cross back into the Gulf, though, and regain hurricane strength. And I, I'm really fascinated to see if that happens. While we're on this subject, yeah. let me plug this show idea we're going to do right. in the new year. Because why not? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're in communication right now with the National Hurricane Center to do a post-hurricane um, like assessment. Yeah. With a forecaster. With a forecaster. With a NOAA forecaster. That's right. Because we've had on the 
Hurricane Center director twice. He's been on the podcast, and it's was great, really cool. To can talk come to on him. anytime he wants. Absolutely, but we're talking about. I want to. We want to interview the guys who write the forecast discussion. If you follow the National Hurricane Center storms, you know there's the advisory. There's the winds. Uh, you know, the wind arrival tab there's a bunch of tabs and i always read the discussion which is where they get to pontificate a little bit they get to explain and guess it's like a narrative it's a narrative and uh it's always signed by a forecaster at the bottom i want to talk to one of those guys yeah so and that's what we're working on so basically yeah you know what we'll do is we'll take a storm uh like for example this one uh eta or etta and you'll we'll start and we'll be like okay it's yeah it's november 2nd and this thing is way over here what are you thinking what are you thinking why do you why did you write this yeah what were the indicators there and then when when what did it actually do Mm -hmm. and what did you learn from that delta between what you predict what you were predicting and what it actually did yeah and i'm just so excited because yeah i mean this is like magic (laughs) <laughs> they're good at what they're good at what they do. And guys. there's so many they're when they so write in it. the discussion, there's so many components and they were talking about shear and ridge. Yes. And, right. And these like these like the way they describe the atmosphere is like geologic formations. Yeah. It's just badass. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah badass. Yeah. Well, I there's a whole wait. way that those discussions are laid out, you know, sort of the strengthening discussion. There's the intensity discussion. Then there's always a track analysis. And, you know, there's. They're really informative if you, you know, they're just fun to read. And, and you know, here's the other thing. The, you're right. The language, why did they choose to describe it a particular way? The words that they use are very meaningful, you know, in terms of if they predict life-threatening storm surge, for example. That's just not sort of a things are going to be bad notion. When they say life-threatening storm surge, that correlates to a very specific level of storm analysis that they have completed. So I'm really interested in the options there. Like there's, you know, and and there's places in those discussions that they're making judgments as to what to communicate to the public in advance. And uh, I just want to, you know, this is like, this is what they do in sports interviews. You know, like you were in the eighth inning, what were you thinking? That's kind of the, that's the interview we want to do. It's like, what was going on in your mind when you lined up that three at the end of the half? Yeah. And I, well, exactly. That's exactly, we want to get right into the like, yeah. The tricky decisions like oh yeah we had to we were looking at it an a or a b yeah and there we are we got to cut one wire right <laughs> it's so dramatic no, it <laughs> well and it's life and death too i mean yeah. i you know come on i the, you know people do not i i this you're missing it i think if if you're not a fan of some of these federal people that i mean i'm a big you know you know how i feel about bureaucrats i'm like this is these are the backbone of the damn government these are real professional people and they're all over the government and they're super good at their jobs and we just we just we just sort of dismiss the whole lot of them you know in some people's mind they're like ah, a bunch of bureaucrats wasted money these guys are so damn professional good at their job with satellites and ships and planes and things and, and computer models that are insanely complicated and trying to figure out how to communicate risks to the public i mean these guys i i really want i want to talk to them you know yeah well yeah. we want to understand <clears throat> we want to understand better the the way that that works because it is a it's the hurricane center that's an incredible service 
to the American people and obviously to coastal America. Uh, yeah. Certainly wherever there's, you know, in the hurricane zones. And I, we want to know how that, how that system <laughs> works and just understand the, um, not, not only the individuals who are, of course, super professional, you know, high caliber people, but also the way that the office is structured and how decisions are made because it's designed for, I believe, I mean, it's designed for uh, consistency and, you know, high degrees of credibility yep. and maintaining those things. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm, I love pulling back the hood yeah. on yeah, these yeah, government love, offices. I hope very cool. You know, Tyler reached out to the natural hurricane center and talked to the guys we've worked with in the past about this. And they said, you know, the elections going on right now. We've, we're wrapping up the year. We've got a lot of work to do, but yeah, we love this idea. We'll do it after, after the new year. Right. So that's, that's what right. I'm thinking. So what they do. So basically what was explained to me is not only has it been a very long hurricane season, so they're still forecasting hurricanes. Yeah. But when those storms stop, they'll divert some of those forecasters into their post storm kind of wrap up thing where they go back through the index, right. basically what we're going to do on the show. Yeah. They're going to do this as part of their right. review. Yeah. And they, as you pointed out, Peter, they write a paper, yeah. they, uh, uh, publish some notes on it. And there's a whole process of learning from the whole previous season and documenting it. Right. Um, so that, that all that work, you know, they're backlogged. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thanksgiving's coming up. There's a hurricane yeah. still going on. Yeah. And uh, and, it, and it's been, uh, you know, the the greatest number of named storms in a season, something. I believe now with Eta or Eta. It's uh, something to look forward to in uh, 2021. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, it's yeah. going to be a good one. That'll I promise. be fun. That's going to be a fun show. That's going to be. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's kind of how the shows come around here, man. We just mm-hmm. we uh, yeah we kind of think like what would be a really freaking cool yeah who do we want to talk to conversation to have? yeah that's right and there's you know thankfully there's just an amazing group of coastal professionals and people out there to talk to endless we are we have not run out of shows there was, ideas there's really no there's no especially limit. with what's happening now and it the it seems to be coming so more dynamic and more uh things are just happening so much faster and the the degree of the the way th- thinking is changing on the coast in america is really i mean peter i've talked about this before yeah but i mean it's pretty crazy that in my uh let's see i started working uh, under you in the consulting uh, world in 2015. That was five years ago. Yeah, okay. And the tenor, yeah. the, the, in those five years, the change in the way that the coastal professional class talks about the coast, just the way that people talk differently, right, is incredible. It's true. It's incredible. I believe that's accurate. I mean, we're paying attention to it, so we, I think we can see it uh, maybe... A little more readily um but yeah resiliency has become a thing uh, retreat is a topic that is discussed in real terms um sea level rise is not th- th- we're sort of past the debate of is it really happening and is it relevant you know in coastal management circles has it reached into the government yes it has now i mean and there's just a whole lot of more there's a whole lot more women uh 
and people of color in the profession in the last 10, five, 10 years. There, there are, there's a lot of, lot of up and coming pros that are uh, not white guys. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I just, I, what I think is interesting is there's always like, there's always going to be a cool trending thing. Like, like right now I would say thin layer placement. Yeah. is is yeah, it's cool disposal practice it's very mm-hmm. cool because yeah. it's it's like it there's all sorts of interesting ways to utilize that in marshes and etc cetera, etc cetera. right and with climate change we we had this the scientist on it there's just really cool research in that zone right um but what i think is interesting is that the rate of change of those things hmm. not to say that thin layer play, but like the technology's evolving uh, well, the think, I think the thinking is and the acceptability yeah. of the practices and the expectation, you know, that that when you're doing coastal construction projects, you're maintaining ports and waterways. Now, the notion that you're not doing something to enhance wetlands or beneficial ease and material or work with living shorelines and that would just sort of be odd now if those weren't topics of discussion in a, in a serious project, you know, oh, it's, totally. it's 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 integrated now. I'm not saying they always make the right choice or whatever, but it, the topic is real. Totally. Totally agree. I mean, these this has now gone from a, like, A column, B column to the integration yeah. of, of that. And that that is definitely, I mean, that's been in the works a long time. Right. I mean, that's what's so interesting about talking with uh, legends like Joan Pope. Yeah. Is that yeah. you can connect the legacies of some of these iconic, uh, you know, pillars of the space. I mean, I, I don't subscribe necessarily to the great minds theory or, you know, the great, great men theory of history or whatever, but um, it, clearly uh, this space, the understanding of it, the modern understanding of the coastal space isn't that old no and it's really cool to be able to talk to people right. like joan and mm-hmm. we're hoping to do more of these uh, we are hoping to do more of those yeah I, joan, that's what joan pup explained she 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 received the award at the asbpa conference this year she was 30 years with the corps of engineers uh uh the o'brien the o'brien award she got the o'brien award at the asbpa conference recently Get that and, ob uh, she's fantastic and but she was talking a lot about this trend that when she was entering the profession, the notion of a, a category of work called coastal engineering really didn't exist. It was considered civil engineering and water structures kind of stuff. And there were a group of people who got together and really tried to break down the science and the, and the, what specialty about uh, the specialties of, of coastal engineering and defined the profession. That's less than 100 years ago. So, yeah, we want to talk to some of those old cats. Well, we want to, yeah, we really do. Uh, and we want to, I think there's a, right now, as we are so, I feel like we're going to be leaning into the future. I think there's a lot to be gained right now from a little a little reminder of what uh-huh. got us here. A little retrospective. A little retrospective, uh-huh. a little history yeah. in this moment. So yeah. I'm, I'm, we're hoping to put this thing together uh, with a few more of these legends uh, and just, you know, really highlight highlight what the what a legacy what the legacy looks yeah. like and how quick it is yeah and I, I mean i think it's just kind of you know i think it's actually really inspiring for the other professionals out there who are say mid-career yeah. and you realize like oh my god you know 
you do this for 25 years, 20 years, you can leave a true legacy. Yeah, there's some, that, there's some big hitters. Bob no, Dean, of course, is always mentioned. And oh, really? Many uh, others. And who's Bob Dean? Uh, Florida coastal engineer who uh, was one of the you know originators of the beach restoration shoreline understanding practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Okay. <laughs> since since we're having kind of a free flowing show. Yeah. No. But um, no. That's that we do. We want to take a little look at 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 the profession of coastal management and broadly speaking, not just in engineering, but what are we doing and how do we get here kind of thing, hoping to put that together for next year and, and you know, what the scientific research community is up to. We want to kind of get into that next year. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We've got some, we're trying to put some stuff together. I guess it's my duty at this point in time, Peter, to remind our listeners that if you work for a company uh, and you want to do some like promotion, mm-hmm. you should speak. You should be a sponsor. Yeah, right here on this network. It is growing mm-hmm. dramatically. It quickly. is. It very much. So is. It's the audience is getting pretty hefty. I mean, for yeah. for our for a coastal professional. Uh, no, you know, it's outstanding. Niche audience. It's it's you know it would be like going to uh, you know five ASBPA conferences a day. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're reaching a lot of people and um, every day. And uh, and yeah, I think for your company, uh, the supporting the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News today is not only a good thing for our community, uh, because we think we work hard to bring the conversation of the coastal community to everybody. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's good for the community. and It's good for your business, too. No question. Yeah. But it, like. Okay, so there's two sides. There's two arguments, two things you need to be thinking about when you are uh, considering, like, would do I want to sponsor uh, Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network? And on the one side is this, like, community service thing where it's like, yeah. we are here, we are trying to serve this community and we are trying to sustain it and we are seeking grant funding we're seeking but part of one pillar of our funding is sponsorship funding yeah and it's actually in this moment nobody's getting rich over here people so (laughs) in this moment it's kind of floating the bill so if you do this it really helps us stay alive Uh, right while while we're not an exaggeration we're trying to get some grants in Mm, uh and we've got application but in the meantime so it 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 really would uh, yeah. from a from a community service. Uh, on and we have, of course, a person that you can contact, Chloe Powers, at Chloe at CoastalNewsToday.com, C-H-L-O-E. That's right. You probably are familiar with that. <laughs> Chloe at CoastalNewsToday.com. She uh, would be happy to talk to you about sponsorship and... Uh, and and so you should give her send her send her an email and and uh, and jump on to Coastal News today in the American Shoreline Podcast Network. It'll be great for your company uh, and or organization, and it would be great uh, for us to stay uh, viable so we can keep doing this. So it's yeah, good. it's a twofer. It's like you know on NPR when they talk about a sustaining member, right? Like like if view it kind of like that. It's, it would help sustain us. Uh, into the future. And yeah. 
And we're not going to send you one of those tote bags that you never use. No, but we're going to get some. Because I have about we're gonna five get of some those. Cool, we, <laughs> we're getting some cool merch. We're not going to send something that you hang up in the back of your closet and go, can I throw this away yet? Or cause right. I don't, you, you we're we're going to have some really cool yeah. merch. I can't. We haven't. It's not. I think we're going to do like hats, uh, some koozies. It's going to be some cool stuff. You're going to want to be seen I mean, with our stuff. Yeah. Like, especially around in the coastal community, like around the office or you know, I want to at an ASBPA event. Uh, you know those when you order a tiki drink at a bar and they always put the little umbrella in that? Yes. I want it when they open it up that it says Coastal News Today. Oh, my God. <laughs> I promise that What do you we think will... about that idea? Is that, a, is that a marketing home run or what? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> moving along. It would be a surprise. You see what I'm saying? A product placement. I'm just saying the koozie has been done. Uh, you know what I mean? I think we got to, yeah. you know, be creative. Anyway. Okay. That's... Uh, well... <clears throat> Yeah. But the the bottom line. So so on the one hand, we need to sustain. On the other hand, uh, is our audience is we're happy to say growing, and uh, you know it's we talk to a kind of committed class of coastal citizens here yeah. that are professional, that are highly engaged decision makers, Dis- local government people, right? That and, you know. and from around and, fr- and frankly, it's international. Yeah, it uh, is, but it's actually. mostly it's mostly U.S. All right. Yeah, and uh, it's I think it's a great opportunity for your for your com- if you're trying to boost your brand. Yeah, if you're trying to brand associate with kind of a cool operation over here, we're trying to capture the conversation <laughs> of the American shoreline, the professional class of American shoreline. You might yeah. consider wanting to associate yeah. your brand with this and yeah. get your get your message out. Indeed, it's a good. I, I recommend. I think it. that it's a uh, a pretty sizable outreach in this space. Yeah, and we're really trying to do a good job of it. We're we work really hard. On, we do work hard on, at it on making this think, as good as we we can. And and there's a lot there's a lot to do in the future. All right. Um, so anyway. All right. Okay. The Enough plug. of the commercials. So um, because one of the things I wanted to find out about uh, before we go is your trip uh, kayaking down the Rio Grande River in West Texas. And uh, yeah. And, you know, people, you know, West Texas and Big Bend uh, National Park and Big Bend State Park and the Rio Grande River through that area. uh I would say that most people around the country, when they think of Texas, do not think of that landscape. It's extraordinary. I mean, canyons, deep mountains, incredible land. I mean, it's just geologically, it's just an incredible place. It is. So uh, listeners might remember (laughs) that last year I did a similar trip uh, in Big Bend. We did the Boquillas Canyon four nights, or excuse me, five nights. Uh, It was like a long weekend. Hmm. And this year, because of COVID, uh, the gang decided to do another trip, but we'd extend it for a full week, eight nights in the wilderness backcountry of Big Bend National Park. And uh, so I was on vacation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you, Peter, you know, it's just, it's mystical out there. You drive out a long ways into the desert. Um, you know, first I, I should point out that canoe, these river canoe trips are intense. Um, you're, it's a lot, it's not only the canoeing, the paddling, 
and navigating the boat in the river. It's also the loading and unloading of the, of the boat. Yeah, all the so provisioning, all we, the stuff you got to carry. Because yeah. So this year we decided to add this additional leg onto the Bokia section. So we were going to repeat the Bokia section and then add this earlier stretch of river. Okay. On, which I believe is the Mariscal Canyon, but I do not. I do not remember the name. Seventy of it. miles, though, roughly speaking, was the canoe trip. You, I could actually kayak trip. If you can imagine the map of Texas with Rio Grande being the southern border, right? Um, at the very tip of that Big Bend part, mm-hmm. that's where we put in okay. at the most southern part. Okay. And, well, not quite. We actually camped at the most southern part there. All right. Um, and uh, so that was. It took. It was to get to that site. Uh, we had to go to our outfitter at uh, 8 a.m., meet there, load all of our stuff onto a big van that was towing a trailer, right. and drive three and a half hours. Wow. One one hour by one hour in pavement, two hours dirt road. Wow. Uh, we got stuck. We had to dig ourselves out at one point. I mean, we went deep, deep, wow. deep, deep down this road. Going upriver. For your drop-off point. For our drop-off point. Right. And he we he drops our shit off, and he just takes off. <laughs> and we're just left there in the middle of nowhere. Right. And, um, you know, we had to carry our shit about 100 yards down to the river, so load everything up. I mean, pounds, you know, eight days worth of... How many people on the trip? 11 at this stage. Oh, my God. That's a lot. So yeah. food for 11 people for a week... Yeah, well, yeah. We, we, two of them split off midway. Okay. But still. Yeah, basically 10 that's people. That's a lot per of food. Week. I mean, you think how much food that is when you can't, there's no store, you know what I mean? No, and it's all being it's all being carried on the canoes. And so, uh, but the rhythm of life out there on the river is totally uh, the best part of life out there. I mean, you just become a river rat. So uh, you put in, you float for... Usually, you know, eight miles is like a typical day, I would hmm. say. Um, not some, you know, six to eight. And there are some rapids. There are some times when it's really slow. So you guys are in canoes or kayaks? Canoes. So standard old tip above. An old tipper. town. A okay. classic old town right. canoe. Fiberglass. Fiberglass, super tough. Yeah. Um, and can carry, you know, you're often hitting shit. Right. Uh, I mean, this is dangerous. So the river last year was about 500 cubic feet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This year was 700. Okay. So which which changed the river entirely. It was a totally different animal. Then the section that, yeah, because you guys had done it last year at 500 CFS. Okay. Same stretch. Just the way that. At the beginning. The way that it works is different. So when it's lower. You're you're trying to chart deeper water because you're there's very there's a very narrow passable area when it's bigger. It's moving faster, but you can actually you have more side to side. You have more dodging space, but there's also more submerged debris. There's more trees in. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, it was you know after day one, I was like, this is moving fast. This is pretty gnarly. Um, And there are a couple legendary rapids. Uh, One's called I think it's like Tight Squeeze, and one's called Rock Pile. Hmm. And they were well in the canoe with a lot of stuff in it is not easy to maneuver you know like, like a kayak and you can't tip it you know and it's it's weighted down the gunnel 
the freeboard is not a hell of a lot. No, you're way up there. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's challenging. It's challenging. And yeah. uh, I, Selena and I, my girlfriend and I, went in uh, on a windy day. We just got blown into a cane patch that had mm. been undermined by the river. And the next thing you know, I mean, it happened right. so quick. We're just sidewalled in. And, of course, you the, the cane wins. Right. And the next thing you know, your shit's floating away. I mean, everything's lashed into the boat, but inevitably, you know, mm-hmm. a flip-flop is <laughs> going down the river. <laughs> right. And it's got to be chased down, and it was cold, you know. So it, it was an intense backcountry trip. I mean, it was, uh, mm. it was an intense backcountry trip, but... Uh, it was the the life on the river. Wake up, eat a big breakfast, do this physical, load the boat, get it strapped in real nice and balanced, navigate the river, get through it. You know, every mile you do, you never see again. <laughs> it's just a one way yeah. trip, and so right. you're you're kind of constantly yeah, taking like- it in. Um, hmm. The passage of time on the river is just really interesting and. And I should also point out during this period of time, the moon was getting really full hmm. and uh, sounds ideal in the canyons. You know, the, the moonlight was almost a nuisance. I mean, <laughs> it was almost wow. too bright to sleep, but uh, it made it just so gorgeous in there. Um, and what can I say? It was just a, a totally magical trip. Uh, I, I managed to smoke some pork uh, deep in. So we we ended up in this uh, on the Mexican side of the river in the Boquillas Canyon, we had a day off. It was the best day off of my life. Yeah. Uh, after the previous couple days were pretty rough. And um, we made, and there's like a stone, the kind of rock uh, deposit that had been squirted out of Slot Canyon. We dug into the ground and made like a rock oven. Oh, wow. And built a little fire in there and uh, put the pork above it with some pineapples and let it smoke all day. And by uh, 7.30 that night, we had a tiki night. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> was it good? It was amazing. That sounds pretty incredible. That's the one thing about rafting and you know this kind of stuff, right? You can bring good food. Like when you're backpacking, totally. you're freeze-dried, you know, seven ounces a day, whatever limited weight you can sort of decide on. You're not bringing pork that you can smoke with pineapple. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're on a boat if you're doing that, <laughs> you know, because it's a, you yep. got to have all that stuff and you can. I mean, the raft trips I've been on are the best food of any outdoor experiences on the river. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it really is the, uh, uh, you know, car camping, if you will. But I mean, you got to get it down the river and it's yeah. hard. Uh, so, and most of our weight, I'll be honest, we have so many coolers. I mean, we could have been sponsored by Yeti. <laughs> we had so <laughs> many damn been. coolers and uh, you just, some of them are deep freeze. You don't touch them for till day six. Others are uh, beer coolers. And we had, you know, the finest be Austin, you know, craft ciders and beers in the land. I mean, wow. Yeah, one of our uh, one of our. Uh, well, they had to be a sponsor too. 
you who? know, well, whoever, you know, <laughs> Austin Apple Cider. What's that? What's the cider company? In Austin? Well, there's That's several. Really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had to slap the sticker on the side of the boat and sponsor it. Well, we we've you know, considered that with Yeti. We that's considered it's that. a one two. Anyway, we don't want to we don't want to convolute this. I, I do want to ask. You know, I am a fan of the Yeti cooler. I have to say, I was an early adopter. They're amazing. Yeah, I borrowed yours on this trip. Yeah, uh, and I want to know. Like, uh, this was a you know what six seven days long thing. Um, want to know how your cooler performed? Yeah, how did that? Well, the the whole Yeti family. I mean, because you, you you know did it? Were things still cold at the end? First of all, I would say your cooler was the all star. Cooler. Really? Yeah. Far out. I mean, man. it, it was it, it was right the up there with the Cody. <laughs> uh, the Cody is a HEB brand. Oh, uh, really? Yes. With um, a K, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. I've seen, yeah, I've and seen it. It, they, it's um, it's a soft sided. Uh, the this particular Cody is a soft sided, mm-hmm. um, like zipper top. Um, okay. Cooler. See, I'm but, suspicious of those. Oh, it's so well. This thing was the was really? a favorite and there were there were a couple uh yeti competitors newer competitors okay but they got rid of the zipper and the cody the cody's just built it's built i mean okay. i like i liked its construction we're putting it through its paces out there <laughs> strapping it down <laughs> dumping it in the river right. i mean it's getting dust yeah. everywhere um performed so well your cooler we actually did not of a yeti 65 of the yeti 65 which yeah. and a, you have a classic i mean that that is a classic cooler. <laughs> i mean by this point i don't know I if they make it. that one i anymore. don't know was, I, I don't know <laughs> yeah it was one of the i bought it at the factory when they first started yeah, making them here it, in austin it's so well it's so it was so big we used it as our deep cooler in the car. So we did oh, okay. a resupply halfway through and we okay. kept that cooler in there. All right. And, but it sat, we, it had ice in it. It was, everything was cool that we kept the pork for the big smoke day yeah. in there. It was yeah. still, it was perfect. So yeah. uh, your cooler performed very well. An Austin company, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. At Yeti. So yeah, Yeti. We're plugging it. You know, they should. So next year, they got to sponsor the trip. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's uh, I'm having a wait, you know I, I I'm having a hard hell. Time at least selling. they had to buy the ice. I mean, <laughs> you know. oh lord. Well, anyway, it was it was a great bags. trip. Uh, yeah. I, I want to do a show uh, on the geology of it um, on the yeah. river on the system yeah. because all the way from the headwaters to I South mean, Padre Island. I mean, shit. That that's a that's like a semester long class. Yeah, but we do this all the time with yeah, shows. We, I would we, like, I mean, I'm very interested in the geology out there. I truly am. I I, I do have a book about it. Yeah, I mean, I just. The geology Big Ben. Not only the, not only the, that stretch, but just the rivers of America. You know, the connection between the coasts and the rivers, I yeah. thought is just so, I mean, yeah. we understand it from, certainly from a sediment perspective. Um, I think we we run quite a few stories about microplastics coming out into the ocean through yeah. the rivers yeah, and hypoxic zone at the Mississippi. Jace you know. Tunnel, man. Yeah. And with the Nurdle Patrol, they are finding all these basically wherever there's water is yeah. where the Nurdles are. So Jace Tunnel, who we've had on the Fresh and Salty podcast, he's the uh, director of the Mission Aransas National Estuary Research Reserve, but he has this citizen science project called the Nurdle Patrol. Which you should absolutely check out. It's on Facebook. But a nurdle is a 
is a pre-produced plastic pellet. It's like if you're going to make plastic bottles, you buy a box of nurdles, and they're just like little tiny, you know, what, like a pinhead size? No, they're not. I mean, you know, they're like the size of what? Um, I don't know, the top of a push pin, something like that. That's a good question. Um, They're small. They're the size of a. <laughs> this is a really fun game right now, Peter. Yeah, it's smaller than what a is, bread box. Yeah, it's, no, it's, that, okay. it's not a nickel. It's not a. It's no. no. It's a. It's not. It's not it's a like, marble. Okay. If you, it's had, a BB. If you took your pencil, if you took a brand new pencil and you broke the eraser off, that's very good. It's that size, and it and looks just kind like of that shape. It's cylindrical. Too. Yeah, and it's that's about a that nurdle. Shape. Yeah. So that's what Jace. Yeah, it does. It's the Nurdle Patrol. And they, they've been going up the rivers, and they find this. They, they're transported by train loads and truck loads. And so they spill out all the time, and they end up on the beach. And he has people all over the world picking up Nurdles on beaches around the world. Yeah. It's very cool. It is. I mean, it's definitely one of the, the most engaged citizen science coastal yeah. things that I've seen. Very smart. That where you really are getting the kind of participation, just true bona fide right. grassroots participation. Right. And what's also cool about it and what I think it, it's really fan, like kid and family friendly. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's the kind of thing that you can do with your kids. It's I mean, is this an, isn't okay, I think this is the test, right? What you do is you take your phone, you go out onto the beach and you find a space where the rack line is where stuff washes up on the beach and you pick a spot and for 10 seconds you reach 10 minutes is it 10 minutes yeah i think so 10 minutes you pick up as many plastic nurdles as you can find and then you take a picture and you send it to them and they're recording how many you found but the your latitude and longitude is on it is on a photograph so they know where you are and they've been having people, you're right, you do this with your kids. When you take your kids to the beach and say, okay, kids, 10 minutes, here's the ticker. Tick, 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 go find these things, and it's a blast. And then they can explain to them what they are. Yeah. Well, and then if you post on the Nerdle Patrol Facebook group, you get a bunch of, like, nerdy Nerdle Patrol love in there. <laughs> so it's, it's an amazing thing. It's a, it's, but he's doing it on the river. Is that what your point was? My point is that... Uh, Increasingly, I am uh, thinking about the relationship between rivers and coasts. Okay. And I, you know, this is probably just because I was on a river very recently, but... Could very well be. Uh, <laughs> but, inspired the topic. I would think so. But it really was. I mean, it yeah, really got me... I mean, last year I thought a lot about the sand because there's just so much sand in there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Rio Grande River. Yeah, in this, I mean, there's just everywhere we, everything is, if it's not, you know, yeah, granite. Move, <laughs> moving a lot of, moving a lot of sand down to, to the, well, to material. Boca Chica, to the Texas border with right. Mexico. Right. And um, if, it, if it has enough water to get there, that's the other Well, then it's an, it's an engineered river now. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. And I'd be curious to, I don't know. I, who knows, guys? This is the kind of thing. It's like I don't want to veer too far away from the coastal discussion, but I also feel like there's a lot to be learned in beefing up our river knowledge. Yeah. Well, the Inland Ocean Coalition. Remember those oh, guys yeah. from Colorado? Totally. This is their whole shtick. 
I, is I, that it, is true. It's about that hydrologic connection between the inland and the ocean, and they formed that coalition in Colorado. It's a great show. You can go find it on American Trolling Podcast Network. All right. Anyway, well, I think we've we've gone on <laughs> enough. Uh, I, so this week we've got some good stuff. Uh, obviously, election uh, is in, and we've got some political analysis, some real political analysis. The DC with regard to coastal issues specifically. Yes. Right. Federal coastal. Howard Marlowe, Dan Janolfi, and Derek Brockbank. Uh, all hosts on the American Trolling Podcast Network. Dan and Howard, the do. DC desk, the DC desk. Dan and Howard have uh, uh, the Waterlog Podcast, and Derek's show is called Capital Beach. And uh, you know, these are people who are experienced on the hill in coastal issues. And so it's always, and I'm, they're going to be talking about the implications of the election for coastal legislation and programs. Yeah. So that's is that kind of the deal? Yeah, that's exactly what it's going to be, and uh, right. I suspect that I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, we all are. We're going to wonk out. <laughs> it's going deep. We're going to wonk out. It'll yeah, be it's fun. Great. It'll be a lot of fun. I've, I've got to say, Howard, Howard is his fastball has been on point. Yeah. Past few episodes. Yeah. No, he's a he's a thoughtful guy, and. Uh, yeah, I think he's old, been waiting for this moment for some time. He's pretty suspicion. outspoken. It surprises me a little bit how outspoken he's he is. He's got some ideas. He I does. Mean, he's he got thinks, some ideas. He thinks I think there's some possible... Again, yeah. season of change, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, Howard and Dan's show uh, with Derek coming out this week. So yep. that's, don't miss that. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the American Shoreline Podcast. And Tyler was good to knock around the election and hear about Big Ben. Thanks a lot for doing that. And uh, we'll catch you on the next edition of the American Shoreline Podcast. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.